Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome to our Wednesday night Bible class. We're thankful to have the opportunity to teach God's Word over the medium of the internet and by means of these podcasts to help people all around the world, literally, across this nation, but also around the world who want to be in God's Word. They want to study. They want to learn more of what God's Word really teaches. We're thankful to be able to help people along this line, and we're thankful that so many people want to learn. And so that's what Wednesday Night Bible Class through these podcasts is all about. But we also podcast a Bible study for Sunday mornings, and we do a whole host of teaching through podcasts. And you can take advantage of that by going to our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com, and click on the podcast button, sign up for our podcasting. It's free. It always will be free. We're not after people's wallets. We want to help as many people as we can get to heaven. And when you sign up for our podcasting, you will automatically receive to your smartphone or computer or whatever other smart device you choose our Wednesday night Bible class, our Sunday morning Bible class, all of our sermons, and a daily radio program Monday through Friday that we call Search the Scriptures. But also, there's a short Bible study every single day that we podcast that we call Today's Bible Class. Now, that's only about 13 minutes long each day. So almost all of us can fit that into our daily schedules almost all the time. And so all of that is available and again, it's always free. That will automatically go to your smart device. Now, there are also a great many sermons that are archived on our website at churchofchrist.com. Uh, hundreds of articles that are right there, archived, that you can read, download, study through, that are scripture-based and that are spiritually focused. Well, tell everybody you can about that as well. Churchofchrist.com. Again, it's always free. Now, if you're in the Omaha area, we encourage you to come and check us out in person at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ and let us get to know you as you get to know us. Study God's Word with us. Grow spiritually with us. And also, grow in your faith because faith comes by hearing the Word of God. Romans 10 and verse 17. Our Bible classes begin at the church building. Again, 3606 North 108th Street, right here in Omaha, at 9.30 on Sunday mornings, followed by worship at 10.30. Sunday evenings, 6 o'clock, we come back together for another period of worship and Bible study. Wednesday evenings, 6.30, we set aside our busy schedules, get our spiritual batteries recharged, gathering together for midweek Bible classes. Again, every Wednesday evening at 6.30. We'd love to meet you and let you get to know us and let us get to know you. We hope to see you soon. Now, we're going to continue our study in Third John. We finished Second John. We began for, uh, Third John last time, and as I said, we're taking our time through these scripture studies, looking at them in depth and in detail, but at the same time, trying to explain what God, through His inspired writers, is trying to get across to us. We want to we want to help you understand. So we try to explain it in a way that makes sense for your daily life, and again, that is easy to understand. We looked at the first three verses in, in, in 2 John last time, and this is a very short letter by the Apostle John, 
from God through John, uh, only 13 verses. Now, the first, first John, as it's called, that first letter written by John the Apostle, inspired by God to write exactly what he wanted John to write, that's five chapters long. Again, filled with instruction to the individual Christian and to the church. But also, when you look at it from the broader perspective, it teaches people about Christianity. It teaches people about what Christ has done for us as our Savior and what he offers us as our Savior and Lord. And that's forgiveness and redemption and eternal life in heaven. Now, he is the Savior, the only Savior. In Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, we read, nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name given among men under heaven by which we must be saved. Only through Christ can we be saved. And Jesus himself said in the night of his betrayal in John 14 and verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So what a blessing we have to be able to have God's word written down for us so that we can study it and learn it and grow spiritually through it. Now, we always encourage our listeners to share these studies with everybody you can because you know people in your life, undoubtedly, who need to grow in their faith. They need to probably, some of them at least, need to, they need to start turning their life toward God and toward Jesus. And so by sharing these studies through, say, Facebook friends, text messages, other technological means, you can help them make a change in their life that is vital to their eternal destiny. Help them get to heaven by sharing. Now, the first three verses of 2 John, John begins identifying himself as the elder, the elder. And that would be a position of leadership within an individual congregation of the Lord's church. Peter, the apostle, when we read through First and Second Peter, he identified himself as an elder as well. And so John says the elder to the elect lady and her children. And we talked about how that almost certainly by elect lady and her children, he's talking about to the church, the church. We, as the church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, are his bride, as different scriptures portray us as being. And so to the elect lady, the church, and her children, and of course the church is not the church building. That's simply a structure in which the church comes together to meet and study God's word and worship God and be in fellowship together. The church is the members, those who have become true Christians, baptized into Christ for the remission of their sins, Acts 2 and verse 38 and Romans 6 and verse 3. That's the, they're the church. It's not the building. That's not the church. It's the Christians who make up the church. And so to the elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also all those who have known the truth, Oh, how we ought to love the church as Christians. And how, oh, how we ought to love being a part of the church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So all those who have known the truth because of the truth which abides in us and will be with us forever. 
grace, mercy, and peace be with you from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. Remember, the church is here on this earth by God's design, and he sent his Son, Jesus the Christ, as our Lord and Savior to bring the message of the gospel of salvation to all of humanity, and in doing that, to establish the church. Jesus said in, John, uh, in Matthew chapter 18, when he was speaking to Peter and the rest of the apostles, he was addressing Peter specifically because Peter had just made a statement of, of, in response to Jesus' question, uh, who do men say that I am? Well, the apostles began to speak up, but we're not told exactly which ones responded in the ways that, that they did initially, but maybe several different ones. But anyway, when we, when we read through that, they said, and I said, John, I said Matthew chapter 18, Matthew chapter 16, I apologize. And so they, they responded. And they said, well, some say John the Baptist. You're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah. Some say you're Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Well, Jesus was asking for feedback from his apostles who had been with him close for a period of years by this time. And so he was picking their brains. You're out there among the people. I'm speaking. I'm teaching. I'm healing. Uh, I'm instructing them as to who I am the Son of God, their Lord and Savior, the Messiah prophesied in Old Testament Scripture, well, what's their response? Who are are they saying that I am? Well, and so the apostles, some of them at least, they responded and said, well, some of of the people are saying you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And then he asks them specifically and directly, who do you say that I am? And here's where Simon Peter responded personally and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And then Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it, or the powers of death shall not keep it from coming to be. Jesus knew he was going to die on the cross, But he was telling Peter and the rest of the apostles here, prophesying ahead of time that he was going to establish his church on this earth, and even his death on the cross was not going to keep that from happening. But now, there are some people who say, in fact, there's a huge denominational church that says that that Jesus was foretelling there that he would build his church on Peter. Upon this rock, I will build my church. And they point out that, that in the Greek, the name for Peter is a rock. Well, but Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church. Now, yes, Peter in the Greek means a rock that is very small, like a pebble. But Jesus used a different uh, word from the Greek when he said, upon this rock, I will build my church. And that's like a huge rock, a boulder, a foundational rock. So you see, the two do not correspond. Jesus was not foretelling, prophesying that he was going to build his church on Peter, a man. 
he was saying, upon this rock of faith in me, this confession of faith that you have made, upon the faith in me as God's son and your Lord and Savior, that's the rock upon which I will build my church. So important for us to understand that. So when we come back to 2 John and and, and we read to the elect lady, to the church, we're talking about the church of Jesus, the church that Jesus established upon this earth by God's design and instruction. So to the lady and her children, to the church and all those who make it up, whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also all those who have known the truth, because of the truth which abides in us and will be with us forever, grace, mercy, and peace will be with you from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, or the Son of the Father, in truth and love. Jesus is the head of the church. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 22 and 23. God has made him to be head over the church. Colossians 1 and verse 18, he is the head of the body, the church. In Ephesians 1, 23, he is the head of the church, which is his body. Jesus is our head. There is no man upon this earth or no man who ever lived upon this earth is the head of the church. Jesus is the head of the church. Now, in verse 4, John goes on, and he said, I rejoiced greatly that I have found some of your children walking in truth as we received commandment from the Father. I I, I rejoice greatly that I've found some of your children. Now, he's already addressed the church as the elect lady and her children those members, those who make up the church, the members back in verse 1 as he addresses this particular letter. And now it's interesting that he says, I rejoice greatly that I have found some of your children walking in truth as we received commandment from the Father. I think we see something here of what I call the fickleness of humanity. We can believe one thing one day, give us a few days down the road or maybe a year or so, we will not necessarily believe that anymore. We change. In fact, we can change from day to day in some cases. We may stand in one position on one day, the next day we may be opposite that position. We can be fickle. And that's unfortunate because I think fickleness indicates instability in a lot of cases. We need to be stable. We need to be sound in our faith. Now, John is simply voicing something here in verse 4. I rejoice greatly that I have found some of your children walking in truth. Now, I think by implication that would indicate some of the members of the church he has found to not be walking in the truth any longer. They were no longer being faithful in their suppose Christianity. We might compare that to the parable of the sower, where Jesus talked about a sower went out to sow seed in the field, and some fell by the wayside, and some fell on rocky ground, some fell among the thorns and the thistles, and some fell on good ground. Now, that that, that seed which fell by the wayside, that would have been a hard beaten path between two fields that the farmers would walk along. It would be beaten down by 
continued use. And so the, the seeds that fell upon the wayside, they would tend to stay on the top of that, of that ground, that soil, because the soil would be so hard they would not sink into it. Well, the birds would quickly find it easy pickings, and they would come along and eat it up. That's what Jesus said. And then he said some fell among rocks, and, well, that did not produce much fruit. And some fell among the thorns and the thistles, and that bore the fruit, but it grew up quickly, but then it, you know, quickly was choked by the thorns and the thistles, the weeds. And so you have three different areas upon which the seed had fallen that did not produce lasting fruit, if any at all. But then the, the seed that fell on the good ground, and you would think that would be most of the field where the seed was being sown, that produced good, sound fruit or produce. Now, so what is the seed there in that, in that particular parable? Jesus said it's the word of God. How do people come to Christ? Through the teaching of the gospel. How do we learn about forgiveness and salvation? It doesn't just happen to us. It doesn't just fall on us out of the sky. We get into God's word. We keep emphasizing on Search the Scriptures and upon these today's Bible classes as we're teaching Search the Scriptures being our radio program. And again, you can get that on podcast five days a week here, today's Bible class. And then also on these Sunday morning and Wednesday night Bible classes, which this is Wednesday night Bible class. All of that's available, and we keep emphasizing through all of those podcasts, faith does not just happen. Faith develops within us as we learn God's Word and understand it and believe it and make the proper applications to our lives. Romans 10 and verse 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So we need to be in God's Word. What did Paul say in 2 Timothy 2 and verse 15? Study to show yourself approved unto God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing or handling correctly the word of truth, which is God's word, John 17 and verse 17. Jesus said the truth will make you free in John 8 and verse 32. And so John is saying here, I, I rejoice greatly that I have found some of your children walking in truth. Well, the parable of the sower indicates not all of the sowing or the teaching of God's word is going to produce positive fruit, lasting fruit, that is, people who become Christians and stay faithful throughout the rest of their lives. Some are going to fall away from faithfulness. They're not going to stay in the truth. I want us to look at something from 1 Timothy chapter 4. And here the Apostle Paul wrote, now, the Spirit, he's talking about the Holy Spirit here, expressly says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. Now, here, God, through the Holy Spirit, guiding Paul to write God's very word, is foretelling that as time goes on, there are going to be some Christians who are going to leave the faith. They're going to be taken in by false teachers, and they're going to 
have their conscience seared with a hot iron. Now, maybe that's the false teachers who are going to have their conscience seared with a hot iron, but also it's going to have that effect upon many of those who follow their false teaching. Interesting. In fact, when we come to 2 Peter, 2 Peter chapter 4, we read something similar, beginning with verse 1. Now, John, uh, I'm sorry, uh, 2 Peter chapter 4, 2 Timothy chapter 4. Paul is, is emphatic here in charging Timothy to be diligent in teaching God's word. He says, I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead and is appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. The understanding there is don't stop teaching God's word. He goes on and says, be ready in season and out of season. When it's easy, when it's hard, when it's readily accepted, when it's not very readily received. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. Be focused in your teaching. Sometimes it's going to be very positive teaching. Your people are going to be receptive. They want to hear the gospel of salvation. But sometimes you're going to have to get stronger. You're going to have to be more emphatic and focused. And some people are going to have to be corrected in their false beliefs. And then he goes on in verse 3. And why, why such emphasis on such strong teaching and preaching on a consistent basis? Verse 3, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up teachers for themselves and turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. Paul is foretelling here again, as he did in 1 Timothy chapter 4, the first few verses. Here in 2 Timothy chapter 4, the first few verses, he says there's going to come a time, and I think it was going to be very soon after he wrote this, that Christians, there are going to be many Christians who are going to start falling away from the truth. They're going to be taken in by false teachers, or they're going to simply kind of turn a deaf ear to the teaching of the truth because they want to hear what they want to hear. They want to be able to do things that are maybe against the, the true teaching of God's word. And so they're going to find preachers and teachers who will scratch their ears for them, who will tell them what they want to hear, make them feel good and comfortable in their unfaithful lifestyle. We've got a whole lot of folks out there today like that. We've got a whole lot of churches today out there who are accommodating people like that, making them feel good in their unfaithfulness. Now, do they still believe in God? Oh, yeah. Do they still believe in Jesus? Sure. But do they want to follow God? Do they, are they receptive to the strong teachings of New Testament Christianity written down for us in the New Testament scriptures? Not necessarily. They want a softer message. They want kind of more of a dishwater kind of stability, which you understand the self-contradiction there. Dishwater is not stable, is it? They want to hear something that, that is, makes them feel good in some of their ungodly, sinful practices and makes them feel like they're still godly. 
they're still righteous before God, still faithful. Well, there are churches out there making them feel that way because they have watered down the truth, they have changed it, they have in some cases cut it apart, distorted it, twisted it, and we're told that that's going to be. In fact, Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 through 9, Paul says there are some who pervert the gospel, twist it. Peter talked about the same thing, people who twist the scriptures to their own destruction. We've got a whole lot of that going on right now. In the denominational world of quote-unquote Christianity, how sad. A lot of false teaching being done. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 22 and 23, we see again the emphasis on the importance of staying in the truth of God's word. Peter wrote, since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit and sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, that is not, not through physical reproduction, but incorruptible, through the word of God, which abides, which lives and abides forever. Again, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 22 and 23. So God has given us his word to guide us in his will, to guide us in the truth that Jesus says, if we will live by it consistently, will set us free from the guilt and condemnation of sin. We must obey that truth. The Hebrews writer, he also hits on this subject. Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard. Where have we heard them? God's word, in other words. What we've been taught as Christian principles and doctrine, the gospel of salvation, the message of Jesus Christ, Christianity. We must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. Lest we drift away whole lot of people, they hear the gospel, they hear the truths of New Testament Christianity, and they receive them quickly and even obediently. But they don't have much root in their, in their commitment, and so they quickly drift away from that truth. Now, in some cases, it takes a little longer for some. They may even seem to be, it may be, faithful, dedicated Christians for a period of time. And then something happens in their lives. The devil, he finally has his way with them. They finally give in to his temptations and his leading, and, and they then start to drift away. They become weaker and weaker in their faith and then become pretty much unfaithful altogether. Now, they may still believe in God. They may still believe in Jesus, but they just aren't committed anymore. And so they fall away from faithfulness. Jesus said in Revelation 2 and verse 10, be faithful until death and I will give you the crown of life. Now the condition there is twofold. First, be faithful. That's a life of faithfulness lived out in obedience and dedication and commitment consistently day in and day out through our lives as Christians following God's word faithfully, obediently. And then the second of those conditions that he, Jesus lays out there in Revelation 2 and verse 10 is until death. 
So it's not a short-term commitment. It's not like a sprint. You run a short race and it's over. The race of life is a marathon, and it lasts all through our life. So Jesus says, be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. We need to understand that principle. In Colossians chapter 1, Colossians chapter 1, we look at verses 22 and 23, and here the apostle Paul writes, in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. If indeed, if indeed, now that word if is conditional. Paul was preaching. He he wanted these Christians in Colossae, these members of the church in that city, to ultimately stand holy and blameless and above reproach in God's sight. But he says, if, if you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. If you stay true to God through his word, consistently obedient, and that's key. That, that really is key. So we need to understand that. Well, our time is just about up today, so we'll pick up with verse 5 next time, where John says, Now I plead with you, lady, church again, the church, not as though I wrote a new commandment to you, but that which we have heard from the beginning, that we love one another. John, he's been called the apostle of love. Well, he writes so much about love in his gospel account, but of course, he's simply, he's simply writing the commandment, the new commandment that Jesus gave to all of humanity through the apostles in John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. John really takes up that theme. And as we noted in 1 John, those five chapters, he really emphasizes that commandment that we love one another as faithful, dedicated Christians, just as Christ loved us, just as God loves us. And so here again in 2 John, he hits on that theme once more in verse 5. And we'll look at that further next time. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for loving us. Thank you for loving us so much that you sent Jesus into this world as your Son and our Savior and Lord to bring us the message of salvation through him and to bring us the principles of Christianity to establish his church upon this earth that you blessed us to be able to have the opportunity to be members of. Thank you, Father, for your love. Guide us to love you and demonstrate that love through our faithful obedience on a consistent basis. Praise, glory, honor, and thanks be to you, Father. Please forgive us and hear our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.